Skyler Neese's murder has been covered by dozens of television shows, podcasts, documentaries, news articles, and any other form of media you can imagine. Why? Because it's one of the most sensational murders in recent U.S. history. Join me today as we delve deep, and I mean deep, into this extremely tragic case. Okay, and welcome, welcome, welcome into Killing, Missing, Hidden. I hope this isn't a surprise to you, you know, that you intended to be here on our show today. I'm Brad, the host, also former criminal defense attorney of the legends you've no doubt heard of. Impressive, no? I hope all is well in your world. I know it's only been a week since we last spoke, but it's been too long, right? I mean, that's why you should join our Patreon, so you get more of me. Me! Me! Though, honestly, you'll probably get tired of me after this case. Uh, please make sure you share our show with the people you care about, and recommend us to the folks that you kind of care about. Just, just think of all the joy you will bring into your own personal life by doing so. It's always better to give than to receive, and that's what you'll be doing. So much giving making people so much happier. And it's totally cool if you have a selfish motive behind it. Seriously. You have my permission. Okay, so this week we're tackling the murder of Skylar Niece. My wife has insisted I cover this one, so I'm covering it like the good husband I am. But I'm sure whatever points I get for this will be gone in 48 hours, you know. Now, let me say this up front. I have a massive amount of info on this one. My show notes are like three to four times longer than they are on an average episode. Needless to say, that means we're probably going to break this one up into two parts. Maybe three, but I think two. I think two should be good. We'll see how it goes. We'll just play it by ear. Also, all right, I, I want to say this up front too. Th there's so many people in this case that it gets confusing for me. And so the easiest way for me to digest it was to just focus on the names of kind of the main players and think of everybody else by who they were and what they did. So I'm going to tell their story by describing a lot of people by who they were within the story rather than by using their names, because I think it's easier to follow. I hope y'all agree. Okay, if y'all are ready... This is essentially my podcasting dissertation. So let's jump right on in. The main players in our little macabre tale this week are Skylar Niece, Rachel Schof, and Sheila Eddy. Our setting is University High School in Star City, West Virginia, and the surrounding areas. Star City, that, that sounds like something from the Resident Evil universe, right? You have Raccoon City. You should have Star City. Anyway, Skylar, Rachel, and Sheila, as you'll see, became inseparable friends. What I am calling a triad of high school beauties, but something went wrong in their friendship, and Skylar paid the ultimate price. Now, interestingly, each family only had the one daughter and no other children. 
Each family also had suffered some sort of recent tragedy, and each family had a history of drug and or alcohol abuse. So let's talk about Skylar first. Her parents were Mary and Dave Neese. They were not well off. I mean, they struggled financially, but they did the best they could to provide. And what they couldn't give Skylar in money, they made sure to make up for with love and attention. And this caused Skylar to become a very sweet and friendly young lady. Uh, but she was willful. She was known for being very stubborn. <laughs> Uh, frankly, she never met an obstacle that she couldn't overcome. When she was a small child, she about killed her parents when she jumped in the pool during a family vacation just to prove her parents wrong. She could swim, dadgummit. Needless to say, this attitude, you know, gave her parents far more, far more, far more heart attacks than they probably deserved. Uh, Skylar was also exceptionally strong in her opinions, uh, particularly on social and political issues. One day she overheard her dad and his buddies making fun of a homosexual, and she lost it. She went into the middle of this group of grown men and started barking at them, saying that all people deserve to be treated equally. Um, she, she was known to constantly champion the underdog. Now, despite... All the nice things I've said about Skylar, she said that her dream was to become a lawyer, so she wasn't perfect. Now, she boasted a 4.0 GPA, and like, you know, not only is she smart, like I said, she's happy, she's bubbly. Um, random fact, her favorite book was Great Expectations, and I mentioned this just so I can use one of my favorite jokes. Great Expectations, yeah, the book wasn't what I expected. <laughs> Rimshot. If you know what movie that's from, too, you get bonus points in my book. Skylar's best friend early in life was a girl named Morgan, who she had met in kindergarten. Morgan's mom would bring Skylar home from school each day, and the two became like sisters. Morgan's father was the chief of the local hospital, so the family was very well off, which meant Morgan had lots of toys to play with, but that also meant that was a lot of toys for the two girls to fight over every day. Like I said, they were like sisters, so they would spend most of the day fighting, and then at the end of the day, they were best friends again. Um, Skylar, despite all of this bubbliness and friendliness and likability, she was a very private person. Um, she really kept a lot to herself. There was a barrier between what she showed to the world and what was going on inside her head. And during her life, there's really only one friend she had that she seemed to be able to trust wholeheartedly. And that was a boy named Daniel that she had met in the first grade. And for whatever reason, they just formed this really strong, deep, unique bond. And they spent some time together outside of school because Daniel's dad worked as a military contractor which would require him to work overseas for months at a time. So Skylar's dad was nice enough to come over and would help Daniel's mom, you know, repair broken things, just kind of do all the, the not to sound misogynistic, but all the husband work that she wasn't able to do and couldn't afford someone to pay someone to do. So 
whenever this happened, he would bring Skylar along. So Skylar and Daniel would play together. And they were so close that, like, when they learned that Skylar's dad was finishing up a job, they would hide in a closet or somewhere in an effort to try to prolong their time together. So Skylar meets a best friend in kindergarten, another in first grade. So naturally, we got to find one in second grade too, right? Well, this is when we have Sheila come into the picture. Sheila, like Skylar, didn't come from money. And she lived with a unique, constant hardship. Her dad, when she was younger, suffered severe brain damage after a car accident. And it was one, it was an incident that changed her dad. Um, first of all, he wasn't really able to perform complicated tasks anymore. He could kind of take care of himself, but working was out of the question. He, he couldn't be trusted with a lot of things, so went on disability. And the brain injuries also caused a shift in his personality. And because of this shift, really, he didn't get along with his wife anymore. I don't think that they were nasty with each other or anything like that, but it was just all of a sudden she was married to a different person. So they decided they just couldn't really cohabitate like that, and they divorced when Sheila was young. Um, now, interestingly, and I guess coincidentally, Skylar's mom actually knew Sheila's mom since high school. And, you know, Skylar and Sheila kind of became friends because of that. They were the same age. Their moms knew each other. So they started hanging out and they just were instant, like, soulmates. Um, they wanted to spend all their time together. And they did, you know, during the summer and after school and all that. But, Sadly, they went to different schools, so they couldn't be truly joined at the hip 24-7. Okay, so we've talked about Skylar being known for being really friendly and determined and all that. Well, Sheila was more of a child who kind of craved the limelight. She needed attention. There were stories that when she was little and they would go eat at a restaurant, she would eat standing on her chair and refuse to sit in her chair like a normal person. Um because it caused people in the restaurant to look at her. And because of the divorce, Sheila grew up, you know, with even less than Skylar. And so her cousin's family, her cousin's name was Chrissy, um, they would stop by at least once a month just to drop off extra groceries and other necessities, trying to be good family, trying to help them out, make sure they didn't have to struggle too much. Now, Rachel shows up in our story much later. She, too, grew up in a broken home. Uh, her mom divorced her dad when Rachel was only four, but they were very well off because Rachel's dad had owned a very popular fashion boutique in the town before it went out of business, and he also had a nice little nest egg. His first wife had died of cancer, and they had taken out a large life insurance policy on her, so... Rachel's family really moved in different circles socially than the other two girls, which is why they wouldn't really become friends until later in life. Now, as everyone reached adolescence, 
texting became a central focus of after school life, especially for girls and especially for Skylar and Sheila. They, you know, spoke via text every day during the school year. And like I said, they were arm in arm with each other during summer break. They were, they were as close as two girls could be without being sisters. Now, Sheila started having a problem in her life with her mom. Her mom was dating a new guy, and Sheila didn't like that dude. Neighbors would often hear the two fighting in that special, vicious, blood-curdling way that only mothers and daughters can fight. The one thing Sheila did like about her mom's new beau was that he was very generous with his checkbook, and he had money. So whatever Sheila wanted, he would make sure she got it in an effort to try to win her over. Still, the fights continued, and neighbors reported hearing Sheila say that she would kill her mom if she didn't dump the checkbook. Sheila would kill her mom. That's creepy. Um, Sheila wasn't generally well-liked in her neighborhood, in part because... The family that lived across the street from her had a teenage daughter that was just a little bit older than Skylar, and that daughter had gotten pregnant, and Sheila, for whatever reason, was indignant about this and openly called the daughter a whore to her face, to neighbors, to anybody. So as you can tell, Sheila had an attitude. I would say Sheila had a trashy attitude. Now, despite the fights, and despite the protests, Sheila's mom eventually married the checkbook. And while Sheila resisted this, it did cause her to be ushered into a life of luxury. She went from worrying about what they would have for dinner every night to wearing designer labels, having her hair professionally styled, getting manicures whenever she wanted, Um, You know, for her, it was great in that respect. Even though they had money, uh, Sheila's new stepdad was a coal mining foreman, so they didn't really move up in status in the town. You know, they weren't like the doctors and the lawyers and the business moguls. But they did get to move into a new house in the wealthier part of town, and this new house came with the exciting change in school so that Sheila and Skylar were now classmates. Yay! I'll point out that when we finish this tale and you look back at it, this is probably the point where you can say, you know, I see the first pebbles of this avalanche starting to fall. Now, Skylar had three constant friends in her life. Morgan, Daniel, and Sheila, right? But once Sheila began attending school with Skylar, their relationship, their friendship really rubbed the other students the wrong way. Classmates said that Sheila was mean and controlling, and this attitude kind of started to rub off onto Skylar as they entered high school. Morgan and her circle of friends really didn't like what Skylar was becoming. I mean, Morgan still considered Skylar to be one of her besties, but Morgan's friends would actually beg her not to invite Skylar to hang out with them. But Morgan wouldn't have it. She loved Skylar. She defended her really hard. 
But this constant strain of them living kind of in two different worlds slowly pulled them apart, and they started spending less and less time together. By being a friend of Sheila's, and by being cute, Skylar was kind of lumped in with the snobs of University High School, even though she didn't come from money. This is the same group of kids that would look down on the kids of the blue-collar parents, which is what Skylar really was. And when I say look down on, I mean they would be really crappy to them, and they often referred to them as the dirty kids or just the dirties. Doesn't that just bring back such fun memories of high school for you? Now, with high school and their freshman year, this is when Rachel finally enters the scene. You know, Sheila and Skylar have been friends since second grade. Rachel shows up, and she just happens to have a class with Sheila, and the two of them hit it off. Skylar noticed that as their freshman year continued on, Sheila would rarely be found without Rachel right by her side. And this was fine with Skylar. I mean, she made friends with everyone. Plus, you know, Rachel was popular. She was a pretty redhead. Um, she was generally well-liked by most people because she was nice. She did a ton of volunteer work. She was, you know, had a really strong Catholic faith. And even though she was part of the snob tier, she didn't act like it. She also was one heck of a singer and actress. So to kind of summarize or to give a, a mile high view here, we've got Skylar, the likable honor student, Rachel, the future Broadway star, and Sheila. And it's kind of hard to classify Sheila. She um, wasn't naturally well-liked. She was known as being, I don't want to say overly sarcastic, because I don't think that's cruel enough. She had an acid tongue, I guess you'd say. She developed early, and she was very sexual because of that. And she also had some of the best drug connections in school. So I guess maybe we could call her like the party girl with the bad attitude. I don't know. So, my teachers taught me that the triangle is nature's strongest shape. But this triangle wasn't particularly well formed. It's pretty clever, right? You know, working that in. Gaining, y'all gaining some knowledge, maybe? <sighs> yeah. Okay, so the girls, you know, they loved each other and they loved being together, but they also loved searching for new sources of, of excitement, you know? And that hunt for excitement would well, often create drama in their world. Many of their fights could really be boiled down to Sheila coming up with some exciting new idea and Skylar having a problem with it, mainly because she didn't like Sheila being in command of the group. Despite all of these changes and the toll it took on Skylar and Morgan's friendship, Skylar still stayed close with Daniel. And some kind of thought that other girls were seen as competition to Sheila, so she would actively try to push them away from her little group. But since Daniel was a boy, Sheila kind of tolerated him. And in turn, Daniel tolerated Sheila. He didn't care for her, but whatever, you know. Daniel, by nature, was really calm. And so when he hung around with the girls, they really didn't fight as much, and they tended to have more fun. But regardless, you know, Sheila and Rachel were still the center of Skylar's teenage world. Now, in their search for excitement, the girls found that one of their favorite activities 
was to sneak out of the house at night and go joyriding. One major problem with this love was that they were freshmen. They didn't have a car. They were too young. So, I mean, they didn't have a driver's license either. So it's not like they could borrow a car. So what they ended up doing was Skylar kind of used her charm to win over this boy by the name of Floyd, who was 19 years old and this kind of stereotypical brooding young man. And he agreed to be their driver on these escapades. And Floyd and Skylar developed this relationship. It was, it was an odd relationship, but it was a close one. Where kind of Skylar almost served as his therapist in a way, like he or maybe a sounding board would be a better way to describe it. Like, you know, Floyd would bounce his problems and his ideas off of her, and she would kind of offer her opinion. Um, and you know, he was, she was kind of a good friend and someone he could talk to, I guess. Now, the second problem with this joyriding plan is the area they lived in had a really, really strict curfew for anyone under the age of 18. You basically could not be out of your house after 10 p.m. If you were caught, police would arrest you and have your parents come pick you up. During one of these nights out, they got pulled over, and the police officer pulled the girls into his car. Now, Floyd, being 19 had outgrown the curfew, so he wasn't breaking any laws. But this this just caused Skylar to flip out. Like, she went off on the officer. She went ballistic. And she wasn't being mean to him so much as saying, look, 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 this wasn't anybody's fault but mine. Let the other two girls go. I'll take full responsibility. Please just let me take the fall on this one. Now, why was she doing that? Well, it was mainly for Rachel's benefit because Rachel's mom was very strict and very intolerant of, let's say, less than becoming behavior for a young lady. And, you know, she would whoop her as punishment. Well, not, I, I mean, like a good old fashioned Southern grandma sort of whooping. Like, it was pretty severe. Even after being arrested and even after having the parents called and, you know, they have to come pick them up at the jail. Like the first thing Skylar says to her parents is, you got to call Rachel's mom. You got to tell her it was all my fault. Please, please, please. But, you know, Skylar's parents were kind of ticked off and they weren't interested in helping Rachel out. They were more interested in punishing their daughter for misbehaving. It's at this point in time that you can really see that Sheila was affecting Skylar in a negative way. Skylar was angrier. She had a bad attitude. She would fight with her parents. She broke rules in school. She started drinking. She even started doing drugs. But it's unclear how much Skylar's parents were really aware of these problems. I mean, other than the bad attitude. Because teachers still liked her. They still spoke highly of her. She still, you know, had the 4.0, maintained good grades. And so at least, you know, on paper... They've got a daughter that anyone would be proud of. And, you know, a teenager having an attitude problem? How shocking is that? So the summer following their freshman year was arguably when the three girls were their closest. Their Twitter history, which is extensive, 
uh, was nothing but sunshine and puppies and rainbows and unicorns and jelly beans and glitters and stickers and dancing and giggles and Godzilla movies and... Okay, maybe not the last one, but you get the idea. Yet, as the great poet Taylor Swift sang, nothing lasts forever, but this is going to take me down. On August 16th, there's a bit of a disagreement between Skylar and Sheila. Okay, well, more of an argument. Fight. Um, won't fight. Okay, I think it'd be best to imagine The Undertaker throwing mankind off the top of a steel cage as a representation of this blowout. I never thought I'd get to work Taylor Swift and The Undertaker into the same paragraph. So, point for me on that. Uh, the three girls were having a sleepover at Rachel's house this fateful day. When Rachel's mom went to bed, the girls snuck around the house until they found pure, transparent gold in a bottle for teenagers, a.k.a. cheap vodka. Shockingly, it did not take long for the three girls to get hammered, and they decided that it would be bodacious to take pictures of themselves kissing. Thank God there was no social media when I was a kid. It'd be so embarrassing. I mean, you know, me kissing random people and dressing up in cheerleading outfits and murdering that hobo. All of it would have been recorded on the internet forever. Yeesh, right? Okay, enough about me. Yes, back to what you're not paying for. Now, Skylar may have partaken in some of this fun, but... She was, like, totally against the idea of being photographed doing it. I mean, that's just crazy. And she certainly didn't want to be a part of what followed because apparently Sheila and Rachel put on their birthday suits and engaged in a bit of activity that adults usually do in their bedroom. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, and for some reason, Skylar filmed this. Or that's what... The rumor mill tells us, at least. Um, when that activity ended, the girls kind of decide, yeah, it's time for bed. So they all hop into Rachel's bed. But Sheila didn't like the sleeping arrangements and kind of ordered Skylar to move so Sheila and Rachel could cuddle. And for whatever reason, that was the breaking point in the night for Skylar. She got ticked off. She began yelling at Sheila, who gave it right back. It wasn't long before Rachel's mom was awake and had to physically separate the pair. Rachel was so upset she couldn't explain to her mom what happened. And so the fight was broken up and just left at that. Now, as soon as Rachel's mom goes back upstairs and goes back to bed... The fight flares right back up. <laughs> she had to come back downstairs again, again physically separate the girls, and I think she had them sleep in different rooms to put an end to the nonsense. Uh, investigators would later learn from her diary that Skylar was furious, but not about the fight. She was furious about the sex she had witnessed. She was developing the opinion that Sheila was going out of her way to always push Skylar to the side whenever somebody else was around. And she expressed this opinion on Twitter after the fight and also reminded Sheila and Rachel that she had certain things she had recorded that they may not want to be made public. Well, that little threat started causing problems. 
while Skylar started calming down and she forgave her friends, Sheila and Rachel didn't see it this way. They kind of secretly began spending time together away from Skylar, though the threesome was still spending a lot of time together. When Sheila turned 16, she got a car, and that car became the center of those girls' universe. Because Sheila had the ride, though, she got to firmly establish herself as the leader of the pack. However, the feud between Sheila and Skylar was never truly resolved, and it was just constantly bubbling under the surface of their relationship. And Sheila getting a car also raised a new red flag. It showed a frightening side of Sheila. She started going out of her way to run over animals with her car, and she would celebrate each kill. Now, this upset Rachel and Skylar a lot, particularly Rachel, but Sheila was going to Sheila, you know? She didn't care. Um, Daniel, again, you know, was still hanging out with the girls, but he started noticing more fights, particularly between Skylar and Sheila. For example, he tells a story that one day when they were leaving class, Sheila grabbed a boy in a special no-no spot, and Skylar just kind of went crazy on her. You don't do that. That's trashy, all that. They had a blowout over that. Daniel also was with uh, Sheila and Rachel one day when Sheila decided to call Skylar and attempt to provoke a fight with her. Sheila put the conversation on speaker but would mute the call so Skylar didn't know that Rachel and Daniel were listening. Now, Rachel alternated between laughing at what was going on and crying at the fight. Skylar just cried during most of the fight in frustration. Sheila, of course, lapped it up. Sheila also provoked Skylar by acting like aggressively affectionate with Rachel in front of her. Skylar soon started to confess to people that she was feeling like a third wheel, and she was just really frustrated by Sheila's behavior, and she didn't understand why it had changed. Even when Sheila and Skylar tried to hang out by themselves, it didn't go well. When the Hunger Games premiered, the two went to go watch it together, but Sheila spent most of the drive texting and ignoring Skylar, which was driving Skylar crazy. She demanded to know who Sheila was talking to. Sheila wouldn't say. When they finally got to the theater and took their seats, Sheila just wouldn't stop texting, despite Skylar's protests. When the movie started, Sheila even then wouldn't stop texting, and Skylar said, you know, put your phone away, the movie's on, which Sheila just ignored. Skylar then tried to snatch the phone, but Sheila slapped her hand, and that was a bit of a mistake on Sheila's part because Skylar just slapped the mess out of Sheila. Sheila stood up and began cursing at Skylar, and Skylar responded by just clocking Sheila straight in the nose. Sheila left the theater crying. I mean, it was a mess, but that was their relationship. Now, you would think, okay, if you're fighting that much, at some point, Things are going to break and y'all are going to go off in your separate ways. But there was just something magnetic about Sheila. She just had this crazy charisma where she could charm people into doing things. 
Um, you know, despite all this drama that's going on, she kept these two girls in her orbit. But looking at it, you know, from a distance as a third party, she, it was like she was a cat toying with a lizard with them. Um, and, you know, she was so good at manipulating people that she even got Daniel to steal a, a uh, teacher's answer key to a test that Sheila was about to take. And that was something, you know, Daniel would never do anything like that typically. And so he, he was kind of befuddled how Sheila talked him into doing that. Um, you know, and when investigators read Skylar's diary, they found that so much of it was about what Sheila was doing and how Sheila was living life and not so much about Skylar, you know, it was all Sheila. It was a book of Sheila instead of Skylar. Before the end of their sophomore year, the cracks in this triad were becoming apparent even to those who didn't or weren't really close to the girls. You know, for example, Rachel kind of vented one day in the library to really a former friend about how much she just hated Skylar. And she only hung out with that girl because she was scared of being blackmailed. Rachel even went so far as to wish death on Skylar several times. And there's rumors and reports that during science class one day, I think it was a biology type class, Sheila and Rachel actually asked the teacher, how would you dispose of a body? Which started this conversation among the students, debating theories based on what they had learned from watching, you know, Law and Order and all those types of shows. Um, now the teacher denies this ever happened, but several of the students insisted that it did. So I, I don't know where the truth is on that conversation, but still Sheila kept Skylar around and she started, you know, she wasn't even trying to hide the fact anymore that she was just using Skylar. It was open and obvious to everyone, maybe not Skylar. Um, and she also encouraged Rachel to do the same. And so, like, Daniel made the comment that it wouldn't be that odd for the four of them to go out one night, do all these things, have all sorts of fun. But when it was all said and done, Daniel and Skylar were the only ones who spent any money. Now, there had been a tradition since they were little that Sheila always invited Skylar to go on her family's annual, you know, kind of like beginning of the summer beach trip. After the sophomore year, which was in 2012, however, the trip just wasn't the same. Uh, the girls spent the week fighting about anything and everything they could think of. There were several people who reported that allegedly the fighting, you know, really took on a life of its own on this trip because Sheila tried to put the moves on Skylar and Skylar rejected her with utter disgust. When they returned home, Sheila, like, instantly was at Rachel's house. And she was like, okay, you know what? It's time to do something about Skylar. And things just continued to get worse over the summer. Skylar's Twitter feed, you know, returned to these outbursts of anger and the veiled threats about releasing certain information again. And some of her final tweets included, quote, sick of being at effing home. Thanks, friends. Love hanging out with you all too, unquote. And you doing shiz like that is why I can never completely trust you, unquote. 
Rachel spent the summer at church camp, as she would every year, and her friends noticed she was different, and so they tried to counsel her. They saw that she was anxious all the time, and she really had turned negative, her personality, her outlook, and all that. Um, and it just wasn't like her. And so, you know, they spent a lot of time talking with her and trying to figure out what was up. And she eventually confided or admitted that she thought Sheila was probably a bad influence. And, you know, she promised her friends at church camp she was going to get away from Sheila when she got back home. When Rachel returned home, however, things went right back to the way they always were. Okay, now that's not fair. Things got worse. They got worse, yeah. Um, On the evening of Rachel's 16th birthday, which, you know, sweet 16, big deal, all that, she didn't have a party. And she just hung out with Sheila in Sheila's room. And they spent the night, I kid you not, planning Skylar's death. They were on the internet researching various ways to kill someone. They ultimately decided, you know, the best plan of attack was to use a knife. It'd be easier to steal a knife from their kitchens. Plus, none of them had easy access to a gun or really knew how to use a gun. So once they decided on using a knife, they researched the best way to kill someone with a knife and decided that their goal would be to sever Skylar's jugular vein there in the neck, you know. Um, They also picked a date for the murder to go down. And again... On Rachel's 16th birthday, this is what she did that night. So we're no longer joking. This is like serious crime territory. Now, what they struggled with was how to dispose of Skylar's body. They learned that, you know, acid or even pigs could be an effective way. But, you know, they were 16. They didn't have access to either of those. So after brainstorming and debating and researching, they decided that their best bet would be to take Skylar out to one of their favorite places to get high, which was in a very remote part of Pennsylvania. They would smoke a few joints and then kill her and bury the body back there in the woods. This, this place that they went to was so secluded. No one would ever think to look in these woods. Plus, you know, they're going across state lines to do it. They talked Skylar into sneaking out with them the early morning hours of July 6th. Skylar climbed down from her window around 12.30 in the morning and got into Sheila's car. Now, this is somewhat surprising considering how openly hostile both Sheila and Rachel had been acting towards Skylar. I mean, they had gone... Their their new game that they liked to play was inviting Skylar over for some sort of event and then not being there just intentionally leaving her hanging all the time. But Sheila, being Sheila, was able to convince Skylar to come. This was, look, they loved her. They were, you know, things had gotten bad between them. Let's use this night to try to patch up our friendship. Let's make peace and go back to the way that things used to be. And, you know, that's what Skylar wanted all along, too. She didn't like the fighting and all that. She loved these girls and wanted to be friends with them. So she agreed to it. She got into Sheila's Toyota Camry for the last time in those early morning hours. When they were traveling out to their smoking spot, they passed the police officer and all three of them freaked out. Skylar, for a very different reason than the other two, obviously. Though the cop didn't see him, 
the girls didn't know that and they began taking all these back roads and making U-turns and all that in an effort to make sure the non-pursuing officer wouldn't catch him. When they finally felt like they were clear, Skylar was the one who expressed the most relief, glad that they didn't caught and said it was a close one. They finally made their way to their little hidden hideaway and Sheila pulled her car down that dirt road. The girls got out of the car so they could go smoke pot without leaving any evidence in Sheila's car. However, what Skylar didn't notice was that Sheila and Rachel walked just just a bit more slowly than she did. And Skylar didn't notice that, you know, in the moonlight, knives were being covertly produced from the girls' pockets. They arrived at their little smoking spot when Sheila offered up the first joint, but she couldn't get her lighter to work. As fates would have it, Skylar said, I've got one in the car, I'll go get mine. She stood up and just, you know, was casually walking back to Toyota when she unknowingly was leaving her back to exposed to two very dangerous predators. Rachel did the counting, slowly. And when she got to three, both girls sprang into actions like lions jumping on gazelle. They furiously brought their knives down on Skylar. Their plan to aim for her jugular just was tossed aside. They wanted to rip open any flesh they could reach in their fit of rage. They were in such a feral state that was fueled by just rage and hatred for Skylar. Of course, Skylar was stunned. Uh, her initial instinct was to try to flee, but I think it was Rachel who ended that by tackling her at her knees. While Rachel kind of held her down, Sheila got more strikes in. But these two girls really underestimated the size of the fight in Skylar. She fought back ferociously. She was deflecting blows from Sheila. She managed somehow to disarm Rachel and even got a hold of Rachel's knife. She used it to stab Rachel just above the ankle. And it was a deep wound, but it wasn't enough to turn the tide. You know, she was losing blood. She was getting weaker with each blow. Man, Rachel managed to pry the knife out of Skylar's hand and continued the assault. And as the final stabs rained down, Skylar's reported last words were merely, why? Sheila and Rachel finally tired out and stood over their friend, watching her until she breathed her last breath. Or, as they put it, until Skylar stopped making weird sounds. These two girls literally stood over their friend and watched her die. Together they dragged her body deeper into the woods, but they ran into a problem they had not expected. The ground they planned to bury Skylar in was too rocky to dig. The next best option they could come up with, they simply covered Skylar's body with broken limbs and other debris that had been produced from a recent thunderstorm. They really did such a good job covering up her body that no one would be able to find her unless they knew exactly where to look. The two girls returned to their car, now as murderers, stripped naked, cleaned themselves off with paper towels and wipies, making sure all the blood was gone. They bagged up their clothes in a garbage bag. This entire event took just over three hours. And at the end of it, after they had cleaned up and everything, they were still 
full of this animalistic emotion and the two girls had sex again in Sheila's car. And this is going to be our stopping point for part one of this case. Um, it's intense and exceptionally sad. I mean, you got to keep in mind, these were kids, you know, they were teenagers. They were best friends at one point. It's just insane. And I mean, this isn't me trying to mark it because I don't know how to mark it, but the story just gets weirder once the investigation starts and the girls try to avoid being arrested. And so despite having all this fighting and bloodshed, this really may be the tamer part of the story. You know, there's no point in doing any analysis at the halfway point. So we'll just drop our palate cleanser here to put a wrap on this one. Have you heard about the chocolate record player? No? Well, it sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, that's uh, much less dark than last week's <laughs> joke, huh? This is why Eli picks the jokes. As always, you know, before we release part two next week, please take a moment to do something nice. Pet a kitten. Or, you know, call your mom. She would probably like that. The more little nice things we do, the better place we can make this world. Hopefully that has, you know, the impact of us producing less killer teenagers. I don't know. All right. Uh, um, I'm wrapping, wrapping it up here, kids. I'll meet with y'all next week. Brad out. Thank you for listening to Killing, Missing, Hidden. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share. Questions? Email us at info at kmhpodcast.com.